what are the foundations every Christian needs to grow their faith? And why is it important to make sure your faith is built on a firm foundation? Can we lay a foundation but build nothing on it? What role does trusting God play in our foundation as a Christian? Chris sits down with special guest Robert Uradia and they discuss these questions and more on this episode of Your Church Friends. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends podcast. I am Chris, and today I have the pleasure to sit here with one of my mentors, Pastor Robert Aradia from Clearwater Christian Center in Paramount. And for everyone listening, since he's not going to really talk about himself too much, I will. Pastor Robert, to me at a point in my life, was a second father that I really needed at that time and helped me and mentored me, I would say, probably during the roughest times in my life, those teenage, early 20 times. So he had a very difficult task. So now I get the pleasure to sit here being in my late 30s, to, to talk to you about Christian foundations. And so we'll get started. you want me to just pop in with the first question? Or? Yeah, go right ahead, brother. Good right. to be here. So the first question then that we have for uh, Christian foundations, everything stemming from the Sermon on the Mount, the wise builder, and, and what we're building our life on, what are the foundations every Christian needs to grow their faith? Uh, I would probably say you have to start with the foundation of Christ. He is our rock. He is our solid rock. And then in that, I think we need to understand about our salvation, what that means. I think if we can start with those two things, then the word and prayer and worship all fall into that. Um, Nicodemus asked Jesus, what must I do to be saved? Basically, he's asking, what foundations do I need? Jesus, what did he say? He said, you must be born again. So he set the foundation for Nicodemus, which is who he is, but also the salvation. There was salvation that he needed to understand. And what's interesting about uh, what Jesus told him, he said, you must be born again. And John talks about that same word two more times. He says, uh, first of all, you must be born again. And then in that chapter three, uh, he says, just like Moses was lifted up, I must be lifted up. And then he goes back down to verse 30, and then John says, I must decrease and he must increase. So if we understand the foundation that it's Christ and we understand our salvation, then we're going to do those three things. We're going to understand I must be born again, I must lift him up, and I must decrease and he must increase. And if you think about salvation, I like to think about it as a baby's birth. Every birth is kind of like a death. They're in darkness they're in their own little world, something begins to push them through. So they make their way through. And as they're coming out, after they're coming out of their world of darkness, they're in a brand new world. And now that world is bright. It's noisy. It's chaotic. It's confusing for them. They don't, it's a different kind of a world. And what happens right after the baby comes? They cut the umbilical cord. It was severing from one world to the next. And that's what happens in our salvation. We come out of darkness, we come into the world of, of the kingdom of God and Him, and then that, that cord is severed. And that's the hard part of understanding kind of that foundation of, of who we are. Um, if we understand that foundation, we understand salvation is not just about heaven and hell. It's not just about changing addresses. It, it's, it's more about being transformed, renewed, and restored. It's, it's talking about something that did not exist, but now it exists for the very first time. It's almost like if that happens to us, our loved ones say and look at us, who are you and what have you done with my loved one? 
because we have a, a total, complete change. I think once we understand that foundation of Christ and salvation, then we understand the Word of God is so important. It gives us direction. It gives us wisdom. And then in that, we want to spend time with Him in prayer. That gives us the wisdom. So now you have your foundation of the Word, foundation of prayer. And then now you want to spend time with him. Being married, I love to spend time with my wife, and I know you do too. And you have kids, you want to spend time with them. So now all of a sudden, we're not just in his word as part of a foundation. We're just not communicating with him, finding wisdom for our lives. We are now wanting to be intimate, and we want to be in his presence. And being in his presence takes care of a lot of stuff in our lives. It gives us back what the world has rubbed off. And then because of our salvation in Jesus Christ, and that is our foundation, it takes care of three alienations that sin has caused. Alienation from God, ourselves, and self. And I think if we can fully understand our salvation, or at least appreciate a little bit more, I think that's a good foundation to start. It has to be Him and what he's done for us. And everything else, I think, seems to fall into place. I really like that. I like the idea, too, that you put into play the salvation and him. Uh, Jesus has to be the first thing we lay down, then put salvation on top of that, and then ultimately the pursuit of having a relationship with him. Right. Because no matter what you lay down, I, I guess to me, when I think of foundation, like building a house, laying that cement down, pursuing the relationship is stirring that concrete and getting it so that it's nice and level, it's flat, and it's understanding it. So it's going beyond just like, oh, I did a thing, now I go into the world, but it's moving into I've got to do a little bit more, kind of working out the salvation part. But it's nothing to do with works, it's just me pursuing that relationship and wanting him more. With him, and that's the foundation, right, a absolutely. And that I think that's, that's key. Kind of forget what our salvation's about, and therefore his word's not as important, prayer's not as important worship and praise in his presence isn't as important because we kind of do forget what all that entails and what it means. Yeah, really yeah. good. Oh man, I missed hearing your wisdom. <laughs> uh, second question we'll move on to is, uh, why is it important to make sure your faith is built on a firm foundation? Obviously we'll sink, right? If we don't have that solid foundation, we will find ourselves sinking in our culture, in the culture that's surrounding us. We will bow our knees this is the example that Daniel gives us. He had a solid foundation, so therefore he did not bow his knee. Every other person that came with him in that exile, they bowed their knee. So if we don't have that good foundation, specifically living in the times that we're in right now, we will find ourselves sinking, bowing our knee to the culture. We will begin to think things that were inappropriate are now appropriate. So we will find ourselves sinking and actually looking outwardly like the world. And then we'll be sinking when we have crisis in our lives. Peter gives us that example. When he was out on the boat, the disciples, Jesus came by. He told them who he was. He was looking at Jesus. He took his eyes off the foundation, off of his salvation. And what did he do? He began to sink. There was a crisis in their lives. And because there wasn't that foundation that was necessary, he began to sink. And then you can even look at uh, Judas. Um, if we don't have this good, strong foundation, we will fail as Christians, uh, just like he did. So you put all that together, our life falls apart. When we sink into our culture, when we sink during crisis in life, because we all have these crises, when we fail as a disciple, then what happens? Our life crumbles. So that's why it is so vitally important. I think that's why the Bible says, not all who say, Lord, Lord, are going to make it. We may have it wrong about being right. 
I never perspectively put it into place, the sinking into culture. You know, I, I kind of always fell into the latter part of what you were talking about, the Peter, the Judas, sinking into troubles or whatever, you know, life hits us, we get sucked into that. But that is a, a very vital, important part of why we need a firm foundation, because I think a major problem what's happening right now, you can see in, in American Christianity is culture has definitely gotten its way into the church and people's lives where they're making statements not based off of what the Bible says, but it's more based off of what they've been culturally told. Yeah. And one of them for me that I know it's, it's a hot button topic, but it's identity, right? So the Bible tells us our identity is in Christ. So we are no longer us, we are Christ. But identity is so important to people nowadays. Your race, your ethnicity, gender, your status, so position, hierarchy, titles, all those are identities and they've replaced where God needs to be and they've supplemented that. But that's because that's what culture is telling us. Culture is saying identity is number one, identity is important. And uh, that just really hit a good point for me is that this is why the foundation is so important because when our foundation isn't laid firm, we start sinking into culture. Right. The children of Israelites, great example of Jesus, God saying, go in there, wipe out all the other nations because if you don't, your sons will marry the daughters and then the daughters are introduced their gods and then their gods, they'll start worshiping their gods and that culture will become your culture and you won't worship me 100%. And Sure enough, what did they do? They went in there, they didn't wipe out people like they were supposed to, and they intermarried, and the the culture of the enemy now became their culture. Really enjoyed that. That was a great, great, great response for that one. Uh, question number three, there may not be the intention to build a foundation on sand, but how do some end up there anyway? That's a good question. They missed the mark, obviously. If you look at the Matthew passage, Jesus says build a, a, a solid foundation. And what do those individuals do? They miss the mark. So therefore, they end up building on the sand. And I'm going to talk about what I mean by missing the mark. But if you look at chapter 7 of Matthew about the foundation, you see the Father's will. The Father's will is this. I need you to listen to my son in such a way that you do what he says. So what is, what is God really wanting? He wants us to hear Jesus in such a way, and that word penetrate our ears, reach our heart, reach our lips, reach our hands, and reaches our feet. That's his desire, that we hear him in such a way that we begin to do what he is saying. And if you look at that passage, that foundation is not going to stop storms because we're going to get storms in life. It's going to support us in our storms. And the problem is why people find themselves on that sand is because the Word of God is optional. It's, it's something that you can or don't need to use. It's no longer the lifeline that we have. It's no longer a necessity. There's so many other words out there. So we get in that situation because we miss the mark. And, and think about sin. Sin means what? Missing the mark. The way I like to look at it is this way. We look at it and we see that, okay, there's the mark and we missed it by a foot or two. That's actually incorrect. What, what it's really happening is God says, this is the mark I want you to hit, but we miss it not because we almost got close to it. We miss it because we turned and are shooting at a different target and a different mark. Adam and Eve, they chose the wrong target to go after and they hit it. 
Our problem is we're missing the mark, not because we're getting close to God's will, but because we're turning away from the mark and the target that he says, go for. And we are turning and aiming at something else, another target, and we are actually hitting it. And therefore, like the Matthew passage in chapter seven, they went for the target of the sand and they hit it. Adam and Eve went to the target of the tree and they hit it. That is why we find ourselves on sand. We're going after the wrong things. In our culture, that's what it is. You can't say certain things anymore because you're, 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 you're considered legalistic or narrow-minded or what have you. But God's word is God's word, and that's never, ever going to change. So I, that's, I, I think, how would, I would answer that. We missed the mark and we're not letting the word penetrate the way God wants it to, to actually touch our hearts, our lips, our hands, and our feet. And that's a, that's a tragedy. God's word is optional. That, I think that is the big thing. I never really even, again, just, I'm, I'm getting so much wisdom here in this time because looking at it, I never prospectively put it into place that we're aiming for the mark, we just aim for the wrong thing. And especially when God's word becomes an option to us, I've been reading through the Psalms and I got through Psalms 119. That's a good one for the word. It, it really is. And <laughs> it's it's an interesting thing. Uh, most people already listening know a little bit of the backstory of my life where I was a pastor and kind of struggled through some stuff, stepped down, had a little bit of time kind of refining my relationship with God, my relationship with my wife and my relationship with my children and my relationship then with serving God. So I picked up my Bible maybe two years ago again for the first time in over a few years. Hmm. And it feels like I'm reading it all for the first time again. It's this incredible feeling. It's like it just the relationship feels so new. But going through Psalms 119, which I've read too many times to remember that I even can't, just seeing what the writer is just talking about through every single little section about how I must obey God. Teach me how to delight in your laws. Teach me how to enjoy your word. Your word is the center of everything. And it wasn't the option in his life to like, oh, I need a solution for life. I should go into the Bible. No, it was teach me your ways and then da, 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 everything falls into place. And that's just kind of uh, echoing what you just said about God's word being optional. And I think that's where we get into place where people take God's word and maybe they're reading it, but they're, oh, I don't like what this says, so I'm going to omit that. I like what this says, so I'll hit that one on the nail. But God's word has to be taken in its full. There's no obeying partial. There's no partial obedience. No. And, and that's been a, a big thing. So, oh, wow, that was really good. Let me, let me add to that because uh, uh, John tells us in John 15 that we are to abide in him and in his word. That basically means you need to be living in his word. You, make, you need to make your home in his word. Our problem is we're making our home in this world in what seems to be innocent. And now we're looking like the world outwardly. We're talking like the world and we're making our home, we're making what Matthew was talking about in the wrong place. I've heard it before. It's one of those Christian cliches, I think, that gets thrown out there a lot. But if there was like a case against you being a Christian and there was no evidence for it, right. can you really call yourself a Christian? You know, and I, I really, I like that one. Uh, the pastor here, he shared this a while ago. Uh, he said, you know, just because you come to a building where they talk about golf for 30 minutes, they sing some songs about golfing. You read magazines about golfing. That doesn't make you a golfer. You've got to go out there and practice it. You've got to go out there and put the time in and the effort. And uh, 
that foundational stuff of getting yourself in the word, because you can't just be a Christian by name or title. You have to actually live it and present it. And there has to be a difference between your lifestyle and the lifestyle of someone who's not a Christian. And if you're not in God's word, there's no way you're going to know that no, difference. No, absolutely not. And it's evident. It's evident when you're not in God's word to those that are in God's word and really love the Lord with all their heart, mind, and soul. It's evident. And it's like a kid. Uh, kids, Our kids don't understand what we can see that they can't see because we've been there and we've seen the, uh, the aftermath. We've been there. And a lot of times the, the Christian that is kind of in the middle and back and forth, they get offended when uh, the mature Christian actually sees the danger. You're running off a cliff. You're going in the wrong direction. You're heading to a fire and they'll fight you tooth and nail to prove to you that they're good and they're saved. And uh, they said the sinner's prayer five years ago, but that was it. That was it. And that's the, that's the danger of our churches today. Just because you say the sinner's prayer doesn't mean you're saved. Right. It's got to be those fruits that come with that. Right. And understanding our salvation and who he is. And it's, it's really key, too, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, right before we get into this foundational building, Jesus actually talks about fruit. And, and you brought it up, too, the idea that anyone who says, Lord, Lord, that doesn't mean you're getting in. You know, your fruit has to be evident. Your actions have to be there. And that all does stem from what are you, what foundation are you laying? Is God's word optional? Is it built on Jesus and, and all that? I'm going to get into the next question. Can we lay a foundation but not build anything? All right, but before you answer that question, can you and everybody listening do us a small favor and leave us a five-star rating on whatever podcasting platform you listen on? This will help the podcast get out there to more listeners. Also, if you have the time, send us a quick email at yourchurchfriends at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has helped you, what you would like to hear more of, how we can better this podcast, or any question you have. Finally, check out our website, www.yourchurchfriends.rocks. It's your one-stop shop for all things Your Church Friends. Now back to that question about our foundation. I think you asked that as a question, so I would have to say you cannot, you have to build something. Something's being built, whether, whether we like it or not. And I think Matthew 7 gives us that that understanding and that example, I think it tells us that everyone is building a house. Every individual on planet earth is building a house. They are building on something. Everyone believes that something is true and something is solid and stable. That's why we're building on it. The people on the sand, they thought it was solid and they thought it was stable. In that passage, it talks about two houses. It's basically talking about two Christians. This is not... This is not a non-Christian and a Christian. Jesus is talking about two types of Christians here. He's basically letting us know these two Christians are both hearing my word. They're hearing my instruction. The one whose house fell apart and crumbled is that one Christian who believes the words of Christ are important enough to hear, but not relevant enough to do. So when you look at that passage in Matthew, it's actually talking about two types of Christians, those that hear and know it's relevant and apply it, and the other Christian who thinks it's important enough to hear Christ's words, but it's just not relevant for their life today. And that's actually, obviously, the sad part. 
You see that in Peter. Peter denied Jesus three three times. Why? He didn't pray when Jesus said, I need you to pray. It just, he heard it, but it just wasn't relevant. And then you have Judas where he denied Jesus and even Jesus said, told him what was going to happen. And yet he fell apart. He was a complete disaster. Thank God for, for Peter where we fall into, we can reestablish and rebuild that house. But if you fall under Judas, the house is gone forever. So everyone's building, whether you want to believe it or not, everyone is building. I never saw it as two Christians. Even now you said it, I was like, that makes 100% sense. <laughs> that, that's, that's what it's saying. Right. That's the Bible. But I always interpreted it as it was just two people, two people living their lives. One person who's just going about their day without a relationship with God. And they're just saying, yeah, well, here's a piece of land I'll build on this and not seeing if it's sturdy enough. And then someone who does have a relationship with God. But I never looked at it as two Christians. And the and like I said, it makes sense now because what does Jesus say? If you put this into practice, then you are this person. If you don't, then you're this person. You're foolish. And yeah, it, it really makes sense that it's two Christians, one building on the sand, one building on that, and building something. Even though, yeah, I kind of posed the question as like, let's see what the answer is going to yeah. be because it was obviously people are building. They're either building up themselves or they're building for Christ. But it, it's we're building something. And, and I like you mentioned the, the idea of truth because truth, I think, in today's society has gotten such a, a turn of what it really means. There's my truth. And people like to say, this is my truth, even to the point where they could look at the word of God and interpret it a certain way and then claim it to be their truth and be totally inaccurate on that stance. I felt I've kind of gotten to that place in my own life where I viewed God a certain way based on my relationship with my father. And because the Bible relates it to, right, your heavenly father and this and that. So for me, one of the things was that I dealt with was I got in trouble, punishment followed. <laughs> and where I struggled with with my relationship with God was I did something wrong, I sinned, I expected punishment instead of the grace and the love that should come from it. So when something bad happened, I just accepted it as like, yeah, that was bad. And it wasn't until like maybe the last five years that whole perspective changed. And I understood what truth really is. You know, it's got to stem from what who Jesus is. Jesus is the truth. Everything outside of that is a flawed view. And the Kind of going back to what you said at the beginning, the foundation has to be built on Jesus, an accurate biblical perspective of who Jesus is, not a, well, my Jesus wouldn't do that, or my God wouldn't do this. Well, it's in the Bible, so it has to be. So I, I, again, those things never clicked into my head. And truth right now is no longer the truth. It's an idea. Yes. So that's the problem that even Christians are having. This is, this is, truth, but it's more of an idea. Uh, so we're now treating ideas as truth. And that's the problem with the modern day Christian. God's word is not an idea. It's absolute. It's, it's perfect. And that's our lifeline. But we have changed that for an idea, which is what we call now truth. Right. That, that's nailed it right in the head. The, it's become an idea to people. And when something's an, and it's an idea, there's things that you can change with it. It will change. You know, like scientists, the scientists, the term scientist means someone who's pursuing knowledge or truth. But everything in scientific form starts off with a hypothesis, an idea. And I think we as Christians have done that or we as just people, we've done that with God's word. We've turned it into an idea of like, this is where it starts at. 
but through modifications, I could get it to where I wanted at. So that way I can justify me not 100% dying to myself every day and giving myself over to him. Think about 30 years ago, the gray areas that the church really stood for. Now they're no longer gray areas. They have been adopted and accepted as Christ, by Christians thinking, no, that, that was the wrong way of thinking, or I don't believe that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are those gray areas that were very, very solid that were not necessarily sin, but had the possibility of leading to sin and even leading others in the wrong direction by watching us. But now, today, in our culture, those gray areas aren't even gray anymore. They're just an idea and a truth, and it's okay to do it. What really struck me there is when you said 30 years ago, I thought 1970, but it's 1990, yeah. 30 years ago. <laughs> I saw that meme. It said uh, the scary part when 30 years to the future is 2050 and 30 years in the past is 1990. Yeah. It's like, man, I am feeling the age in this one. <laughs> but yeah, the idea of it, God's word is more than idea. I love that. Yeah. Uh, the next question then is, how can we move from just listening to God's Word and into practicing God's Word? So taking all this into application. Yeah, I think we need to understand our posture and position before the Word of God. Because if Jesus is our foundation, the, He says He is the Word. The Word became flesh. So now we have to, so if we don't want to fall into this situation, we need to figure out what our posture has to be or should be when we read his word, when we listen to his word, when we hear God's words preached. And I think once we understand what our posture should be, I think the Holy Spirit will have an opportunity to speak to us and move us in the right direction. And what I mean by that, can I turn to a scripture? Yeah. Hebrews chapter four. This is one of my favorite passages in in scripture because it tells me my position before the the living word. I'm going to read all of it, but there's a specific portion I want to talk about. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intent of the heart. And here's where our position comes in, our posture. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of the one whom has done this. So that word laid bare, it's such a, it's, it gives us a picture of two things. And this is where our position comes in. This is why I love this passage. One of my favorite passages, that word laid bare gives two pictures, one in the gladiator arena where the gladiator who has won has the defeated gladiator over his knee with his head tilted and the and the the winning gladiator has that knife to his throat the other picture we get from that laid bare is on the altar where the high priest or the priest has that sacrifice and it has its knife on the neck of the sacrifice so when you look at what what is saying in hebrews our posture is supposed to be that vulnerable When I come before the Word, I have to be so vulnerable that I allow God's Word to read me. And what I mean by that is many times when we're in Exodus and we're reading about what's happening there, very few of us ever get the conviction that we're Pharaoh. But if we lay ourselves bare, we're so completely vulnerable to what God wants to do in our lives, I will almost guarantee that we will hear the Spirit say this, you need to stop and let my people go because you are acting just like Pharaoh. Forgive them 
give them mercy, give them grace, or speak to them about their sins. So when we understand our position and our posture before the word, I don't think we fall in the category that we're talking about. I think we understand, okay, my position and my posture is to be so vulnerable like a gladiator defeated or a sacrifice on the altar that I let the word of God cut and do whatever it needs to do in my life. And I let it speak to me. Our problem is we control the word. We read it, right? We open it up. You know what? I want to read about miracles, so I'll go here. We have all the control in the world, like you said earlier. Well, I don't like this part or I don't like this part. If a man is committing adultery, he's going to stay away from the Beatitudes, guaranteed. He's going to stay away from David. He's going to stay away from those passages. So we have to be able to, when we understand this is our position, then I think we get to the point where we're not in that position that we now are practicing God's word because it is so real. It is so vital. And we are so vulnerable to it that that vulnerability says, I will do whatever you need me to do, whatever your word says I would do. Our problem is we have taken ourselves out of that positional submission and vulnerability to the word. We now control the word. When you're talking about the swords, I remember you're preaching at, <laughs> at Clearwater and you had that, the double-edged sword, right? You had that and yeah. you were talking about it and doing that. And I think I was, gosh, I had to be a little kid at yeah, eight yeah, or yeah. something. And in the middle of your message, I just yelled out, cool. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like <laughs> participation in speaking wasn't a thing back then. <laughs> so that was the only thing I could think about. I did listen to everything you said. It was great. But it just reminded me of that fun moment to preaching and just doing that and really picturing again. It was because the way you, the posture and that submission and the throat, the, the way you painted that picture again in my head reminded me of all of that. And I, and I think there, there is no practicing without submission. There's, no, there's not, because how can you practice if you're not submitting? Submitting basically says, I submit to your authority, it's greater than mine. I submit to your word, it's greater than mine. I submit to your truth, it's greater than mine. It's just not us inviting Christ into our life, it's Christ inviting us into his life. He wants to teach us. We think, okay, I'm letting Christ into my life. Yeah, you're right. But it's the, the greater picture is Jesus is letting us into his life. Mm. And that's the beauty of it. I'm letting you into my life. I'm controlled. I'm controlling it. Yeah. Jesus leading me into his life. That's a whole different realm. And now I understand my posture before my Savior, uh, my, my good foundation, my solid foundation. And every time I pick up this word, hear this word, read this word, if I do not have that posture, I am not going to lay a good foundation. I am going to look elsewhere. So I think that's how we go from just hearing to practicing. Yeah, that, that posture thing is just so important and it's key. The submission, the dying to ourselves, giving up control. I really like the way you put that too, that if Jesus comes into my life, I'm still in control because he came into my life. But if I move myself into him, and again, it's that identity we were talking about earlier, right? The I move myself into the identity of Jesus, then I become Jesus in my life for the people around me. And, and it's less about me. Going back again, which you're talking about Moses, John the Baptist saying that I have to be less so that way he can be more. And without that, Without allowing God to have control, he's never going to be more. Yeah. We're always going to just 
this is as much as you're going to go with me, God, because this is where I put the cap on, on you going forward. But that the, the consistency of the Bible talking about the overflow that spreads out and gets to the people around us so that way they can see the light, that's not going to happen if we're controlling or dictating it. And even with the Sermon on the Mount, the light, because when we talked about the salt and the light, we talked about that being our influence on the world. And where Jesus said, you can't put a, a bowl over a light because then that light becomes covered. And when you said that, when you were talking right now, it, it tied that in together with me, the idea that if I'm putting a cap on God, I'm dimming the switch on who he is in my life and the light that I can be to the people around me. Last question. And uh, I think this is the best one. Because <laughs> this, is, this is the hard one. I think this is the kicker for it all when it comes to foundation for our Christianity. But what role does trusting God play in our foundation as a Christian? Obviously, it's paramount because we all trust something, right? We all trust something. And once we realize that, then we'll start realizing, what do I trust more? I do, you know, we have a lot of trust in our lives, and then we go to the words of Jesus. You can't serve God, and you can't serve mammon or other things. You've got to choose one. So if we do not have this trust in God, then think about it like this. When you remove the T from trust, what do you have? Rust. Hmm. So what happens to my life when I don't actually trust Jesus with the big T, with the cross T, and I'm trusting something else with the little T? I begin to rust. I get stuck. I can't move like I needed to move or God wants me to move. And I'm very noisy when something's rusty or very noisy. The loudest Christians are usually those Christians that aren't really trusting the Lord, what I have learned. And I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, if they worship loud or they pray loud or they preach loud. I'm just talking <laughs> those that complain the most, yep. they're the noisiest because they are trusting in something else and they haven't realized that when you're trusting in the Lord, you're not getting stuck and you don't need to be loud because you let him take care of it. So when you don't trust him, you're going to rust. And I think we've all experienced that rust in our lives. I think we've all experienced that I was moving smoothly, but all of a sudden I'm getting stuck. I'm getting stuck, and, and I don't know why. Bottom line is because of that, that trust. We're probably trusting in something else. Another way I like to look at it when you're trusting, you're either a tree planted, meaning like uh, Psalm 1. You're either a tree planted or you're a post planted and rotting. Think about it like this. A tree that is planted is, is something's different is going on at at what you can't see at the root. And when you're trusting the Lord, you have the word, the water just flowing into those roots and causing that tree to grow. But if you're not trusting, you're basically a post. It's also stuck in the ground, but it's not growing because it's dead. And if you lift that post up, it's rotting. Mm -hmm. So when you don't trust the Lord, you're like a post. Everything seems good on the outside, just like Matthew 7. Everything seems good until that storm or so something comes. And then when we actually are that post and the storms of life and the crisis of life, situations of life topple us down, we're able to see why we were rotting from the bottom up. Where a tree goes through the storm, outlasts the storm, and is secured by their solid foundation. So if we're not trusting, we're rusting. Or if we're not trusting, we're rotting. We need to trust him with all of our being. That's hard, though. Let's be honest. It's, it's hard. One day at a time. We, we fail today. Thank God. Tomorrow we have another, another opportunity to do that. 
We have another opportunity to lift him up. We have another opportunity to decrease and for him to increase. Thank God we get those opportunities every single moment and every single day of our lives. I'm going to steal that key, <laughs> rusty guy. <laughs> I was like, what? How did he come to that conclusion? But that's amazing. I'm stealing that. So uh, anytime someone hears me say that, that's an original for to, me. You don't have to give credit. <laughs> Just say it, brother. <laughs> that's so true. I, I'm a big gardener. Like at our house, we garden so much. And the, the one thing that gardening has taught me is how much uh, trust in God, because things grow at its own rate. I could do everything the same and I could have one plant grow really great and another one not and another one die, but it's, it's this trust process. And I, I like the tree example because it takes me to the gardening and, and there's so much of God explained in gardening, which is probably why there was the garden of Eden, you know, right. like well, that's the gardener in chapter 15 of John. Yes. So there's so much in it. And I thought of the seed that gets planted inside and, and the seed in the darkness thinks that that's it. Life is done. And that outer shell does have to die. It has to die for the new to come out and the new works its way through all the harshness of the soil to pop up and show life and then produce fruit. But you have to trust while you're in the darkness that God is doing what he says he's going to do. And that's building new life in you. And without that trust, yeah, it's, I think that's been the hard thing for me to learn the last five years. I feel like I was definitely operating with the relationship with Christ, but there was definitely the control freak inside of me that I like to control moments in my life or I like to control my life. So even though I'm saying like, hear God, I'm saying, hear God, but here's, here it is my way. Or part way. Yes. Yeah. So it's hear God, and but I'm still holding on to it. And, and I've learned that complete trust is, it, it, it's complete trust. Well, it's being vulnerable, like uh, the Hebrews passage is talking about. Yeah. I'm completely trusting you. You're going to cut where you need to cut. You're going to do what you need to do. And you're going to tell me what you need to, even if I don't like it. And mm-hmm. that's hard for us. We don't want to hear truth. We want to hear ideas about our truth. Yes, uh, the cutting too. Again, gardening. Yeah. So we're growing zucchinis right now. And uh, yeah, zucchinis. And as the leaves come up, they protect the fruit as it's growing from the sun. But if there's too much protection, there's too many leaves, then the bees can't get in there and pollinate the flower. So you have to go out there. And my wife does it mainly. Um, but she goes in there and she cuts some of the leaves. She has to prune it. The, the zucchini plant has no say in what's getting cut and what isn't, but it's for the benefit of the plant to grow and produce. So trusting God with everything. And, and as the foundation, if trust is not our foundation, then then whatever you're building on is going to crumble. Right. And your analogy that they don't, it doesn't have its, it can't say anything. The interesting part is out of all creations, we're the only ones that can say no to God. Nothing else does or will. Just us. And everything worships the way it's supposed to. And we're the ones just keeps on bucking when, when we're not supposed to with right. God. And it, it's just such a cool thing. But the trust has to be the foundation. Without it, I think we're, we, we all fall into the trap of we may not building on a firm foundation because trust is absolutely the most important thing. And I like how you said it's the paramount. It is the thing that needs to be there. Because if I don't trust God, I'm not going to move when he says move. Yeah, if trust in the Lord with all, all that you have and he will lead you. I mean... What more do you need? Yes. <laughs> so those are all my questions, unless you want to add anything I to I just this. like to say just one thing, because we're, we we sin. We have died to sin. That's, that's understandable. We have, our sin nature has been taken care of. We have died to sin, but we need to understand that sin has not died to us. 
That is what we need to realize. That's why we need to do a, have a firm foundation, understand who Christ is, understand who our salvation is, what our salvation is. Because yes, we have died to sin, but sin has not died to us. And if we don't realize that, then uh, we're getting bit up pretty bad. Yeah. I think that when we talked about, uh, I've had a my friend Doug Jones, Pastor Doug Jones from Saddleback in here on hypocrisy. And the one thing he talked about was authenticity. So that uh, the big problem with what's going on is that people can't be authentic with struggles in the church, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time. You can't say you struggle with this still or you have a temper still because people are like, well, why, why haven't you figured it out yet? Well, I have. I, I just still have that struggle. So the it's not being perfect. It's moving into authenticity. Right. They would have a problem with Moses then. Yes. <laughs> After he saw the glory of God and did all that, they would have a trouble. They would have difficulty with them, which is laughable, but it doesn't make sense, does it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're imperfect. So it is a good note to end with as we lay our foundation, understand that we can struggle still with certain things, but that doesn't mean the house crumbles. It just means we patch up whatever needs to get patched up and move on. Uh, this has been great. I've, I've really enjoyed this. Oh, me too, brother. It was good seeing you. So Catching hope- up. Hopefully I could have you back on for something we do in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know what we're doing yet with after the Sermon on the Mount, but like I told you, this this is going to be one of the tail end of the podcast episode. So I'm really glad that I could wrap up this journey and phase of starting even this podcast with, with someone who I look up to and respect so much. Again, uh, Pastor Robert's church is in Paramount. So if anyone lives in that local area, feel free to attend. You'll hear more of this great word and great preaching and stuff that I've Grown up encouraging. I still have some of my old notes that no, I, I go through every once in a while. There are things that I, I, I know they came from you, and I'm like, I'm going to say this as it's the first time anyone's heard it because it's been a long time. You, you have permission, brother. So, uh, But I, I thank you again for coming out here again. Uh, someone who was a father to me when I needed guidance during a, a rough time in my life. Someone who helped shape me. And just so many things that you've said. The, the one thing that always sticks out to me is how, how you serve is how people will serve you when you're in leadership. And you told me that so long ago. And, and, and I, I took it, again, the hearing, but no, no practicing. <laughs> and then when I got into leadership roles, I'm like, why aren't people just not following? And I'm like, oh, because that's you. Look at there's you doing that. There's you doing this. Well, you're in good company, brother. Uh, we all did that. So it, there's just always things that I remember that you said. So this has been really cool for me to, to be able to share this new journey that I'm going through with you at this moment. So thank you, Pastor Robert, for doing this. So I'm going to just wrap up. I am Chris with my mentor, Pastor Robert. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. All righty. That was fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, more than you thought it would be or? No, I was, I just didn't want to. Considering some work on your house concerned about hiring the right contractor many homeowners they know what it feels like to be in this position when you want the job done right who are you going to call some might begin their project by looking up the professionals but let us stop you right there have you ever considered wanting the job to be done okay if so make builders creations your first call The crew at Builders Creation will struggle to get the job done right, not one time, not two times, but more than likely, several times. No guarantees, of course, 
Their foundation work is done with top quality beach sand and they are the masters of hearing your words but doing nothing with them for over a decade. Builders Creation specializes in room additions, kitchen and bathroom remodeling, roofing, and everything in between, but aren't specialists in any of them. So remember, the next time you find yourself in need of work done around your home and you want it to be okay, think of no one else than Builders Creations.